Hello, and welcome back to Political Debrief. I'm your host, Joshua Oliverio. On this show, we talk about the issues in Canadian politics and how it all affects young people. And this week, we're talking about Budget 2023. The federal government released its budget last week called a Made in Canada Plan. In it, there are many measures that the government says will help young people with the cost of living and address other issues that young people care about. But did they address the right issues? Civics is a non-profit organization that works to increase youth democratic engagement. And they conducted a student budget consultation with over 450 schools across Canada. And joining me to talk about the results of this survey and how young people can be involved in the democratic process and to learn a little bit more about civics, I'm joined by Ruth Matthew, an outreach officer for civics. And I started by asking her about the student budget consultation. Matthew joins me now. Thanks so much, Ruth, for taking the time. Thanks, Josh, for having me. So first of all, my audience might not be super familiar about what civics is. Do you want to just give a quick um, crash course on what civics is and what you do there? Yes, of course. So civics is a registered charity that's dedicated to strengthening democracy through civic education. Uh, So our programs are essentially designed to bring politics to life as politics is something that can be difficult to learn out of a textbook. So we do have several on the go currently, which we definitely will get into later on the call. Uh, But the goal of these programs is essentially to help young Canadians practice the habits of active and informed citizenship and connect with their democratic institutions. Awesome. So can you provide an example of a program that civics runs to achieve that goal? I know we're going to talk about the budget consultation in a little bit, but what's another program that civics runs that we might be familiar with? Absolutely. So Josh, our flagship program is called Student Vote, and that's the one that most people are familiar with in terms of civics. Uh, So this is a parallel election program for students under the voting age. So in elementary and high school students, uh, we start getting kids involved in teaching them about active citizenship, informed and engagement. Uh, So we'll do this by essentially doing this in real time with every election. Uh, So they'll start learning about government and democracy, the elections, and then they actually go through the process of setting up their school as a voting station. They learn about the candidates and the constituency issues in their riding, and then they'll cast ballots for the people actually running in their areas. Uh, So it's a great way to follow the campaign in real time. Do you find that election candidates are very receptive to this program and contribute to it? Has that been a very, has that side of the program been a success having election candidates talk to students that are going to be voting in these parallel elections? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the great things about student vote is by going through the process of learning about the candidates, uh, the teachers and students are welcome to host all candidates forums. So they will, in fact, bring all of the candidates in for a chance to debate and dialogue and have the students see what that's like. Uh, So we have received really good feedback from all of the candidates that have participated in that. And then when we do this at uh, provincial and federal levels, too, We'll also get the party leaders involved, Uh, so they'll actually create some videos responding to questions that students across Canada have asked them in their writings, 
So that's another way that students are able to hear directly from the people that are running for election. So let's jump into the budget consultation now, because that's why we're here to chat. Um, the budget was announced and released uh, earlier this week on Tuesday. Um, we'll get into the specifics in a minute. But first of all, for those of us like me who don't know anything about student budget consultation, what is it and how did it work? Okay, so essentially, as we started with the student vote program, that's in parallel with elections, but we also want students to engage with their democracy outside of election time. So the student budget consultation is another program that takes place in real time, as you mentioned, in lead up to the rollout of the Canadian federal budget. Uh, so this is essentially an opportunity for youth to learn about budgeting and public finance, and then they fill out a survey so that students can share their priorities for the upcoming budget. Uh, the results are then shared with the Department of Finance and with all federal political parties so that they're able to see what matters to young Canadians. And Josh, the goal of this is to ensure that students' voices are put at the forefront because they will be the future taxpayers. So I'm taking a look at some of the results of this um, budget consultation, and I'm seeing that the top... Um, thing that young people have highlighted for the government is cost of living. Um, I'm curious if that's different than what we've seen in the past from student budget consultation. What have some of the other top topics been? Yeah, that's a great question, Josh. So uh, in 2022, the top priorities among youth were addressing climate change, building more affordable housing and creating more jobs. So we do see some similar overlap. It just looks like the priorities have maybe shifted a little bit uh, this year. And I will also mention that right now we're looking at the preliminary budget results. So that's more than 450 students, uh, sorry, intermediate and secondary schools across Canada that represents all provinces. Uh, so we've got about 1,500 students that you're looking at the results for currently, but ultimately we're expecting over 4,000 students to have participated this spring. So is the consultation still ongoing then or is the um, or has the consultation wrapped up? The consultation is ongoing throughout the spring. Uh, so students are encouraged to compare their personal priorities with what was announced in the budget as well. And this is an annual program. So it's been taking place between January and uh, now, so March 2023. And overall, would you say that engagement in the student budget consultation has gone up over time or is it kind of staying about the same? Have Has participation in the student budget consultation uh, increased over time? Uh, it has increased over time. And I'll also mention that while the program's made up of teacher-guided activities, the goal of the program itself is to be as youth-guided as much as possible. Uh, for example, we have an online interactive website. We have videos that the students can go through to learn more about budget concepts. And then the survey itself is also online. Uh, so again, the students are encouraged to kind of go through and, and learn about this. I'm curious if you think this program that you're running helps to turn down the temperature um, through what I consider to be a very um, forth-looking um, and engaging process with young people. I'm curious if you've seen or if you think that this program has helped at least um, with young people to um, make them not so cynical about politics. 
That's a great question, Josh. And I think that what we're hearing with the student budget consultation is because it's geared towards students under the voting age, they aren't able to vote quite yet, but they still feel like they have a voice by being able to share their opinions. Uh, so what we're hearing is that while previously they weren't really familiar with different budgeting concepts, but now they are and they have a better understanding of it. Uh, and it also does make them more engaged and gives them more of a reason to pay attention in class because when they're aware that the finance minister is involved, that does make a difference. And I would say that one of the best things we've been hearing from students is that they recognize that they will be hearing that they will be entering the workforce soon. Uh, students will be paying taxes and they are glad to have an opportunity to learn about how and where the government will be spending their money. Do you, and this this is more of a broad question towards all of civics's um, programs and operations, but do you think that civics has played a positive role in um, engaging young people in democracy? I think we have. So in the 2019 student vote program for the federal election, we had 1.2 million students across Canada casting ballots. Uh, so it's really about finding different ways for young people to get involved in our democratic process. And it's a skill and a habit. So by starting it at a young age, our, all, most of our programs are designed from grades four through 12, except for the budget consultation and polytalks, which are a little bit older. Uh, but it's a great way for students to not only see, hear, and learn about these issues, but also form their opinions and share them with their peers, with their families, and also with, uh, with MPs. I'm curious what your, we'll say your top, what are civics's top three ways that young people can be involved in politics at a young age? Uh, so municipal, municipal politics is always a great and accessible way to get involved because you don't have to have chosen a party stripe quite yet. And it's also the closest to home. Uh, for example, if you notice that the garbage on your street isn't getting picked up or there's electricity or water issues, you're going to be more likely to notice those. Uh, so municipal politics are really right at your fingertips and it's very close to home. So always a great way for uh, students to get involved there. Um, we also have uh, volunteer opportunities if students are able to kind of connect with, um, with their members of parliament. So through our Rep Day program, that actually fosters conversations between students and their MPs. So if MPs have any youth constituency advisory boards, that's another way for students under the voting age to get involved. And I'm curious, actually, one of the first episodes I did on my podcast about um, young people is the topic of lowering the voting age to 16, which I'm not sure if you're aware, was... Um, brought up in the House of Commons earlier this fall. I'm wondering if civics has a position on what uh, should be done on that issue. Should the voting age be lowered to 16 or should it be kept at 18? Um, that's a great question, Josh. And unfortunately, I'm not able to comment that comment on that due to our nonpartisan nature. Do you think that there are more things that all parties can do to strengthen youth engagement in democracy? Yes, I think there's always room for improvement for strengthening engagement with democracy across all ages. I'm curious if civics has worked with other countries, worked in other countries or partnered with other organizations to create a more global uh, impact um, of engaging youth in the democratic process. Yeah, that's a great question, Josh. So one of the interesting things about our programs is that they can be exported and adapted 
For example, we've recently started implementing the student vote program in Colombia as well as Chile. Uh, through that, we've also been exporting our Control F program. So that's something that provides students with a toolkit for digital media literacy, which is important both in and out of election time. So how do you assess credible information online? And again, that's something that we piloted here in Canada, and then we exported it to Colombia and then Chile as well. Curious, why did you choose Colombia and Chile as um, your your global pilot um, destinations? What made you choose those two countries? Uh, Latin America was their focus at the time. So it started at in Colombia and then they uh, grew out into Chile over the last couple of years. Do you, does Civics have plans to expand the student vote program either directly or through other organizations um, into other countries, maybe some bigger ones? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it would be interesting to see if we expand our focus in Latin America and then if we're able to export it in other countries as well. Uh, definitely something that we could explore. Do you have any current plans to do that or is your kind of still in the exploring and uh, prototyping phase of that? So we're not currently planning to expand in any other countries, and that's because we're currently focusing on some other domestic programs. Uh, so one of those would be called Polytalks, and that's in terms of fostering constructive discourse in classrooms. Well, what's an example of a Polytalk? Can, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, of course. Um, so actually, one of the neat things about this program that we're running for the first time is uh, we've got value cards. Uh, I'll definitely, I'll send you a PDF as soon as it's available, but we've got uh, different values and different issues. So for example, uh, it's learning to, to kind of reframe perspectives uh, so that you're able to have constructive discussions in class, because a lot of the time political issues are a little bit hot button and they're hard to unpack in the classroom. So we're providing teachers and students with a framework on how they can approach topics like those. So um, what are, I'll ask you this, what is your, what are you most excited about? What is the civics project that you are most excited about right now? The civics project that I'm most excited about right now is called Rep Day, and that's the one that gets students meeting with their MPs. Uh, so right now we have over 85 schools across Canada that are set up to, to meet and have discussions with their elected representatives. So it's also another way for students that have participated in the budget consultation to bring up any of those issues that they've learned about and then bring them up in a conversation with their MP. Uh, so that serves to demystify the role of an elected representative and to humanize the person that, you know, it's not just a title, it's somebody that you can actually bring your concerns to. And does Rep Day happen all year long or is it one day of the year where everyone, get, where a bunch of schools and a bunch of MPs uh, do it at the same time? That's a great question. So we work typically around the MPs' schedules. Uh, so it's a series of events actually that takes place throughout the year. Uh, from this year, we started in January and it will go up until May. So it's about two weeks in each month. And then uh, we'll pick a set of dates and we'll start reaching out to schools in the riding, see if they're able to host the MP. Uh, we again provide the teachers with learning resources that they can use to prepare their students to get questions generated. And then the MP will go in for about an hour for that meeting. And I'm curious if when the pandemic hit, I'm going to assume that you guys switched this over to a virtual format. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if you found any differences in the outcomes of the program when you switched it from an in-person activity to a, 
a virtual activity. So if anything, I think uh, the pandemic almost gave us more flexibility in terms of timing because we were able to cut out the travel time and people could just, so to speak, jump on a Zoom call very quickly. Uh, so we had 234 visits that took place during the pandemic, but that was the first year that we pivoted to a virtual adaptation. Uh, definitely a lot of the questions that we saw during that time were very pandemic focused. Uh, we saw that again with the SBC. So I, I'm sure that this year we're going to see some difference in terms of those questions. And uh, I guess to wrap up the rep day uh, line here, um, have you seen a lot of uh, participation from members of parliament? Have you seen, I guess I'll ask you this, have you had almost every riding involved? Where are, where's your participation rate with MPs? Uh, so out of 338 MPs, we have had over 125 participate. So it's been a really great turnout overall. And we leave it completely up to the MPs if they're able to participate in just one over the year, or depending if their schedule allows it, we can get them into four or five schools. So it's entirely up to them. My last question for you, Ruth. Civics is an organization that aims and does really great work in terms of um, promoting youth participation in democracy. I'm curious if you have any um, thoughts on how young people can get more involved in their communities in general. That's a good question. I think look for ways to volunteer as well as with programs such as these. I think one of the interesting things is to be able to see how people across the country are focusing on different um, elements in their writing, but in terms of getting involved in your own community. So there are different ways to look at community leadership. Uh, it could be something like a soccer club, for example, if somebody's into sports, and then you can branch out from there. Um, or even petitions from a young age, because you don't have to be a certain age to, to start a petition. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's great. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, no worries. Thanks so much, Josh. And that's it for this episode of Political Debrief. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I would invite you to subscribe on YouTube and on your favorite podcast platform. As well, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Oliverio and on Instagram at Political Debrief Show. I would also invite you to check out our website with a blog post dedicated to this episode with some more information about civics, what they do, and how you can be involved. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you.